Hey guys, welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates III. And today I'm sitting down with a man of many names. I was asked him before, I was like, what do you want to go by? DQ, not Dan, Daniel Tejano, no. <laughs> but not Dan, whatever that is. And also the sexiest voice in all of real estate investing. What's up, Dan? <laughs> I like it. That's a, that's a good intro. I'm good with that. What's going on, man? Dude, the first time you and I ever spoke on the phone, I, I think I said something to you. I was like, have you done radio? Like, dude, you've got a, you've got a radio voice for sure. Um, but also a great voice for sales. So give, give everybody a little bit of background in what you do in real estate investing and kind of what your background is. Yeah. Um, so got into real estate about three, right around the pandemic. Um, before that, I was doing government contracts as a consultant. Uh, so for years before that, I would just do consulting. And I ended up getting contracts for the city where like I would, the city would have us come in and help businesses that were struggling or um, during like big projects where they needed help, exits, things like that. So I did that for years, um, got tired and kind of burnt out. Pandemic came, saw some Max Maxwell videos and was like, all right, First of all, is this legal? So I had to do a lot of, a lot of Googling. Uh, and then I was like, let's just kind of kind of give it a shot. And it was funny because I came in and like people have heard my story about like the contracts and then what happened at the very beginning, my first couple of conversations. But then trying to find more information because Max Maxwell videos were great, but they're not going to walk you through an entire transaction. Right. Right. So I was like, well, let me go join something. Like, let me learn something. And I stumbled across Pace's video from his Steve Trang interview. Um, ended up learning that he had this sub two community that was brand new. I was like, screw it. Let's just join. Um, and then next thing you know, I'm thinking I'm getting out of consulting, but I see all these new people getting into real estate. And I'm like, well, I've done this for a long time. Like, and I'm next time helping people. I've done sales for a long time. My first job where I coached like a sales team was 2004. My, my first sales job, I was 16 in the 90s. I was selling rainbow vacuum cleaners. So I've done this for a while. And so next thing you know, I'm like doing coaching. We start coaching calls and fast forward a couple of years. Um, I've run a call called the Nightly Dial. I've done a number of competitions, including being a part of uh, the Closers Olympics. I've hosted competitions for years. And in the last couple of years, I've trained thousands of brand new real estate investors. And I've listened to thousands of calls and coached people on them. And, you know, fast forward here, I'm now doing a lot of sales stuff. And we have this big competition coming up where we're taking the competitions I used to do really small, making them big. Love it. Love it. So you joined sub two and, and you, like you said, you, you joined it early on. Yeah. Um, how did it become like, hey, you're like an integral part of this community. You're doing the nightly calls and the coaching calls and all that. Like, how did that come about with with like you and Pace and the whole sub two community? Yeah, I think honestly, like for me, um, you hear these these catchphrases in real estate, like provide value and stuff like that. But before right. those became popular phrases, like for me, I ain't come from anything. I didn't have anything growing up. It was just me and my mom. We had nothing, less than nothing. And so I've just always wanted to help people kind of give it, you know, get the advantages I didn't have, right? Like if I know something I can help you, I've always done that. And so I think I started doing that. Sub two had accountability groups really early on. And so I was an accountability group leader for Dallas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico, because I live in Albuquerque and they just needed some help. 
And so I would just get into calls, regular Zoom calls, helping people. And then we this first competition came up. Somebody suggested doing this competition. I was like, OK, well, let's do it. And like, but let's let's make it fancy. And I think that was the first thing that put me on the map, if you will, because right. the first competition pace, Brent Daniels and Steve Trangs were the judges for inside of sub two. And so that continued. And then Pace was like, hey, I got this idea for this call. We do this thing in the, in the, in the sub two called the Daily Dial where people role play every morning for like four hours. What if we do like real calls at night and then you can just run it? Because I've never heard anybody teach sales the way you teach it. You just got like a, a way different approach. Um, and I was like, screw it. Let's do it. And so it was crazy because I had just gotten out of a partnership that didn't go well. And I was like revamping my business. I don't know what I'm going to do. Pace is like, hey, I got this idea. And I'm like, screw it. Next thing you know, bro. 25 hours a week, I'm doing free coaching. It's like four hours a day, plus the planning afterwards, five days a week, every single day. We're live for four, just calling sellers, just walking people through. It was a crazy roller coaster ride, man. So talk to me about that because you say, hey, I, I came from nothing. So you naturally want to give back. Yeah. Which I'm curious about that because a lot of times when you talk to people that say, hey, I came from nothing. When they can taste like the tide potentially changing for them, yeah. they don't necessarily think about other people. Sometimes it's like, dude, I've never had the opportunity to like make money and have this opportunity. So I'm curious about like where where do you think that came from to like want to give back to other people when you were finally starting to taste like, hey, maybe the tide's changing for yourself. Yeah, I mean. If I'm being honest, I don't know. I think I've always just kind of been like that, right? Um, <clears throat> it's easy to allow rough environments determine who you are. Right. Never been that person. I've never been like a follower. And I just kind of view that as like, so I'm letting some third party external thing determine who I am. And when you're younger, you don't know any better, right? So you become a product of your environment and you, you know, you start acting like what you're around. And I think just in life and growing, um, you realize that that's just not the path. You know, and so I think I've always had like a big heart of wanting to help people. I just wasn't in an environment where that served me, that hurt me. Right. And so I think now that I'm I, you get older, you get out of those environments, you see value in helping people. Right. Like I'm a big person when it comes to faith. And so I think that if you're going to live, you know, with any type of spiritual belief system, you got to follow the things that are said there. So I think my natural heart is also always been to be helpful. And then as like a person who would call themselves like a Christian, well, then obviously you, there are certain guidelines you got to follow there, too. So I think that that's just kind of like just the natural thing for me. And you more be, better comes from being a good person than being a bad person. There's no upside to being a selfish, you know, POS. Right. right? So, like, why just why not do the other thing? Love it. And then let's talk about these 25 hours a week. Like. Because I, I, I think sometimes people hear that and then they make assumptions about it. I mean, what was like. Was there compensation for you? What was the benefit? Were you getting JV deals out of it? Because the other thing is, is I when people listen to these types of stories, I think sometimes they don't realize how much just value we're giving when we're a part of like content creation and things like that. They think there's like massive paydays on the other side. And it's like, well, no, it's more about building a foundation to inevitably leading to me having that payday, but it doesn't just start on day one. So talk about like what that was like, where you're dedicating 25 hours of your week to just like being a part of the community and giving back and consulting. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting, man. Like for me, 
Um, you're right. People do not see that. Like 25 hours is real. And like I've shared this with like in smaller circles. What people don't realize is so this happened in January of 22, I guess would be now. Um, and like two weeks later, I'm, I'm relaunching my business and I'm starting this call. Right. right. Two weeks later, my grandma dies. So my whole family on my mom's side was like, they were, they just, they couldn't, right. There was, it was just a lot for them. So I kind of had to step in and make all the arrangements. And then obviously you're dealing with that. Uh, and there was a lot that went into that from the family side. It was a real rough situation, but it was really funny, man. And I, I, I don't say this about uh, to, to boast or anything. I say this because it, for me, it was really important. At that point, I had a decision. I needed to pick something. I'm going to, the family thing is, 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 is the priority. So I either got to continue with this call or I got to focus on rebuilding my business. I did the call. Wow. And for one reason, because I said I would. Right. And for me, that was enough. There's this idea that was lost a long time ago where your word means something to you, where you say you're going to do something and you do it. And you got these people like, oh, I'm going to command the universe and I'm going to manifest you can't even command yourself to keep your own commitments, right? Like, like, why don't you focus on doing that first? And it's just, it's crazy to me that people have such small integrity. And I understand things happen and sometimes you make commitments that you can't, but this situation was a decision that I could control, right? And I had control of this variable. And I said, you know what? There's hundreds at the, like when this launched, we had two to 300 people for four hours every single day on this Zoom getting value. And the posts afterward, like, oh my God, this is mind blowing. Um, I just like on, I put it on my website, the two weeks in, I get a screenshot from somebody who was like, dude, I've been listening in the background. I did my best to do my best, you know, you impression on a phone call. I'm under contract. I'm going to make $77,000 on this deal when it closes. Wow. Active duty Navy deployed, trying to get his life right, you know, where he wanted it to be so he could get out. So for me, this was not a difficult decision, right? Like the way I look at it kind of to our previous point is like, I'm going to be okay, right? This will all come back. I don't necessarily have an ulterior motive or like a plan for it. I just assume that it's going to work out. I'm going to do the right thing and eventually it'll work out. But those 25 hours are real, man. Like it's a very real commitment and you've got to be there. And at three o'clock, when that clock hit, no matter what I was doing, I knew where I had to be. And so everything stopped. And in the two years... I have never canceled a single day of that commitment. Not one time have I canceled it. Not once in the last in the last two and some change years. Right. Because I made a commitment and I want to stick to it. And I got to just figure that out. And that's just kind of how I look at it. That's crazy, man. And, and the the other part of that is, is you're making a commitment to. Probably, I, I mean, I don't I, I'm sure there's communities out there that I don't know, but the strongest community in real estate investing. I mean, the, the two community is is insane. Um, you know, Pace is, you know, the the ultimate charismatic leader. He's always trying to, to push boundaries and add things to, to the community. So there is also that alliance there of like, hey, I'm I'm cementing my legacy inside of this community. So I, I think from the outside looking in without knowing all the moving parts of your personal life and what was going on, um, I just looked in and said, man, that was a really, really intelligent move by Daniel. Um, specifically when I found out in the 2021 Closers Olympics. So you mentioned participating in that. So 
talk me through what that was like for you because you you were relatively new to the real estate investing industry, but because of your you know status inside the sub two community, you were given this opportunity. Talk about what that was like and you know what you wish you could have done better or what you're you're proud of. Yeah, no, that was really interesting, right? Like I think any single person, doesn't matter how good you are, when you get put into that circumstance, it's a different part of your brain that starts asking questions. Like what happens if this, what happens if that, what, you know what I mean? Um, and probably foolishly, I've never been, I've never done a great job of building my brand externally, right? In, in certain communities, everybody knows who I am. Outside of that, like I should probably post more on YouTube and Instagram. I'm working on that. Um, so, but I still did have like a reputation I want to keep up, right? Like, why am I running this call if I don't know what the hell I'm doing? You know what I mean? And that's a fair question. And so I, there was apprehension, um, but I think it was more, the apprehension was surrounding the, the the uncontrollables, right? Like you get 30 minutes for a phone call. You know what I mean? So much can happen in 30 minutes. I've run sales floors in multiple industries and I've seen people sit there for 45 minutes to an hour and just not get answers, right? Yeah. This happens in real life. So, you know, I know that that's a variable and I'm going to be judged by that. The other concern that I have is like, I've been doing this for a long time. When I'm having a conversation, I'm plotting things five questions out, right? I'm planting seeds. I'm doing all of this. My voice inflection may sound crappy, but it's intentional. Like I'm doing all of this stuff and I'm getting rid of uh, like objections and nobody even knows that. So I'm like, if a, if a person who doesn't understand those tactical approaches towards sales is grading me, then they're going to miss all of that. And all they're going to hear is I liked or I didn't like that. So I'm going to score based on what I liked, but that's not how this works. Like I need someone who understands the technical approach that I'm taking. So like all of these third-party variables, what if I look like crap because somebody else doesn't get this? So that was probably my biggest apprehension. But on the positive side, it's I think that anybody who does what we do, right? There's you just you know what it is, man. There's just this thing in inside of you. Like anybody who wants to be like a closer or good at this game, you want the opportunity to prove it. Like it's just I think it's just ingrained inside of us, right? Yeah. So that made it exciting and it was really a cool thing to be a part of. Dude, you know what? You you talked about like the the moves that you're making that you know are intentional because you know what you're thinking and you know your skill set and you know how you do this on a daily basis. And then being judged by someone else that doesn't know your skill set, doesn't know what you do on a daily basis, and quite frankly, might not have the same skill set as you, but they might just be better at brand building than you. I mean, you quite frankly, there's a lot of judges in the Closers Olympics over the past three years that I don't know when the last time they actually talked to a seller was, or even trained someone on talking to a seller. Okay? So... I always thought, look back at like my 2020, uh, everyone freaked out and they they said, RJ, you're so aggressive. And when you go watch my 2020 rounds, it's like, well, yeah, I was aggressive because I was talking to wildly aggressive men, sellers. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was mirroring. I, one of my my things that I, I pride myself on is my ability to mirror a seller. And then... Finally, in 2021, in the finals against your buddy Munif, I got to talk to a female seller because I hadn't got to talk to a female yet. Yeah. I got to slow down and I got to have empathy 
And I got to listen a lot more because she wanted to open up and talk instead of a man being like, 70,000, take it or leave it. You know what I mean? It's like, what, what do you want me to do here? I mean, we're going to mirror that. We're going to get him to open up a little bit, but not like this woman. And I've only got to show that. And then it was like, suddenly this whole RJ super aggressive thing fell by the wayside. Everyone forgot about that. And they were like, oh, he can do more. So I completely know where you're coming from. Because I was quite frankly offended for like a year and a half where it was like, <laughs> No, dude, I do more than just like, yeah. <laughs> can this narrative go away already? So I totally get that. So you talked about the 30 minute time frame, and now you've had competitions inside the sub two community. And then you called me the other day and you said, Hey, man, I've got this thing coming up called the Closers Octagon. So talk about what the Closers Octagon is and where kind of the inspiration for this came from. Yeah. Um, so it, it goes all the way back, right? Beginning of sub two, this like accountability groups. And we just did cities versus cities. And essentially, it was just going to be like a little practice thing. I was like, no, nah, let's bracket this out. So we made like a full bracketed competition where people, you know, and you went all the way through to the brackets. and Like March Madness style? Percent like March Madness is exactly how we did it. Um, and bro, like we had people watching and it was just really cool. But we And we did role play. It was role play competitions. Um, but it was very strict criteria. And in these, in the first role play competitions, bro, like there was scenarios where you have six minutes and you're graded on these five criteria and I'm like a partner. So you get it. You're not, you're part of it's uncovering the motivation. You got to understand what's happening. You got to figure out what's going with the partner and you got to get the partner on the phone and you're going to be graded on your ability to accomplish all those things, but you don't know that all you get is a ring ring and you got to just work through that. So you're graded on your skill of being able to uncover that, Right. So it's really interesting. I did. I was like, this will be cool, bro. The stories that came after that, like, bro, like this is mind blowing. Like the um, like the impact that it had on people was really cool. And so that's where it started. So when I decided to do this, this whole time, Pace was like, bro, just do your competition bigger. Just do your competition bigger. Like, I think you can bring a, a unique approach. And so that's exactly what I decided to do. And so this one, we probably should have planned this with much more time. But I was like, screw it. Let's do it. And so we did round one in November. Open run. Anybody in sub two community, because this particular one um, is just has just people in sub two were competing. Um, open run. So they would bring a recording call and we would like uh, we're like, what's the show? American Idol. So they would bring a call. We'd random wheel two people. And then the crowd would vote at the end of listening to their six minute clips. Who had the better call? Right. But then the judges on any given night would have a golden glove. So if somebody said that person sounded better, but the people with the experience heard the technical skill that warranted, even if it didn't sound as good, we could give them the golden glove, right? And so that's how we did it for the tryouts. Then it went into, I think there was like 40 or 50 people who made it into round two. Round two was the very, very, like the the stricter role play. And then the top eight scores of the role play advanced to the live calls but what's crazy is when I announced this thing, the difference about this one is, number one, Pace was like, I'm in the ring. Put me in there. He was one of the first people to sign up. So I thought because Pace is regarded as one of the best at communication and sales, right? You've listened to a Pace call. He deserves to be up there. I don't give away gimmies when it comes to sales skills. For me, you got to right. earn that. Pace earned that. So I think he wants the opportunity, just like the rest of us. He wants to be able to prove it, put it on paper. And then I reached out to Jerry Norton to be a judge. Right. I texted Jerry. I was like, hey, bro, here's this thing. And he's like, I don't know. I kind of want to compete. So next thing you know, you got Jerry and Pace competing, plus all of the competitors. 
Um, and so this is something I want to do. I want to make this a regular staple in this industry, in this community. Maybe we'll do it quarterly. Maybe we'll do it twice a year. But I want it to be a big thing that gives people the opportunity to come, learn from the best, answer questions, interact. They can we'll do open trial to anybody. I don't I shouldn't deserve I don't deserve to choose who who should be in this thing. Right. You should be able to demonstrate that, because when I got here, nobody knew who I was, but I certainly deserve to be here. I want to give people who deserve to be here the opportunity to demonstrate that. And so this is going to be what this is. And I don't think starting off with our initial debut with Pace and Jerry in the ring, uh, people like yourself that are helping to judge this thing. This is not this is not a it's not the worst starting place. So it's going to be exciting to see what happens. man. Agreed. Um, and it's interesting. You talk about like, hey, you shouldn't be choosing who competes um, because that has been something that you know, Closers Olympics has like taken some steps to fix with the open runs, but there's always been like half of the competitors that were just given a free pass. I said it before I even won in 2021. I said, hey, you should just make the next one, whoever finishes in the top three is in, but the other nine competitors have to earn their way in. And that got ignored. And, and so I really like this, the way that you've got this set up. Now, what I find interesting is, is so of course you got Pace and Jerry, right? Mm -hmm. But from the, the other eight that earned their way in five are women and three are men. Yep. Cause this has always been a problem in all of the competitions that I've ever been involved in is that we might have the token woman, maybe. Sometimes we don't even get that. And I'm not just talking about closure Olympics. I'm talking about across the board. Yeah, for sure. So talk about how that came about. Is that because of the community? Like, hey, there's, there's a lot of women in there that are doing actual business. Because I'm looking at it. I only know one of the women, Jennifer Shelton, Jen Shelton, you know, she she tried out for the Closers Olympics this past year. I don't know the other four. So talk about kind of your feedback there on how that came about, because this is a hot topic where I get asked all the time, why aren't there more women in real estate investing? Why aren't there more women closers? Well, apparently there are. We just didn't know about it. Yep. Dude, it's this for me is such a huge um it's a huge conversation because like you and uh, you guys were talking about this right on your podcast the other day. I just happened to jump in and you guys were having the same conversation. I don't know if there are still some people out here who have this misconception that there aren't animals that are out here that are ladies in this space. But if you have this idea, you probably should change your, your paradigm because some of these ladies are crazy skilled. My first competition uh, a woman was in the finals. She got second place. My second, I got balloons. <laughs> my, my second competition, um, Jen Shelton won. My third competition, a, a lady got second place, right? This has never been new for me. And for anybody who works with a lady who's out here, you know, just putting the work in, like they're better than dudes in a lot of fronts. Like, let's just call it what it is. You know what I mean? And so I think maybe it's just having the platform, having the space. Maybe they don't really care about the glitz and glam as much as a lot of dudes do mathematically. So they'll just put their heads down and do the work. I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is that these ladies have been crushing for a long time. The last competition we did, I had 
almost 300 people try out for it. We started the tryouts and never even finished it because there was way too many people. But in that competition, the top 10, eight of them were women. And it just, it wasn't even, it was, and they were, they were ahead by a comfortable margin. So this whole time I was like, guys, keep your eyes peeled. And I said this at the beginning during the tryouts and full transparency, I kind of just forgot, right? Because that old score sheet went away. We were putting the new score sheet. I didn't even think about it until it literally ended. And I'm like, this is majority women. Like I predicted it would be, there would be a hefty position. I didn't know it would be the majority, but I think it should be if that's what the situation warrants. And the reality is a lot of these ladies just came in here and they just did the work. They learned and they evolved. And this goes back to my, to my, I'm going to say this, two things. One, this is new and we're going to evolve what this thing is. And there's going to be various iterations. And I really want to take the feedback of the people who are here, yourself and the people that are, because let's make it our competition, right? Like let's do what's going to be the most value. I don't, my opinion is, is only relative to a point, right? There's going to be other perspectives I want to factor. So this will evolve, but it's funny. One of the benefits of the open run is that you have new people to real estate that are going to try out. It's the nature of the business. There are people, let me put this out here, guys, who won this competition who do not make active seller calls yet because they're so new to the industry, right? That's how new they are. When they got into the competition, they were scared to even try out. They stumbled in their tryouts. But for two months, every single day, we had a chat in Facebook, RJ, who's role playing? Who's doing this? Who's doing that? Who wants to, who wants to collect? Every single day, I'm hearing people jump in here. And there were people who every single day were dedicating hours of their day to get in and practice, get in and practice, get in and practice because they wanted to show up. And the number of those people made it to the finals, right? At the end, I got multiple text messages, multiple text messages. When, when this thing finalized and we knew who the people who were made it was, oh, this is bullshit. Oh, are you sure? Oh, this, oh, that. Like people were upset, you know, and none of, people know me well enough to know my integrity. So I don't, nobody was attacking that, but they were like, oh, but do you think the way you did it, is it fair that people who are new are having a position where people who have been doing this a lot longer and have more experience probably deserve to be there. Do you think that's fair? And I said, yes, that's fair because that's how life works, right? In life, it's not the most experienced who wins all the time. It's the one who just shows up and does the work and puts themselves in the best position. And sometimes that puts you in a favor in a, uh, in, in, a, in a position of favor where it opens up a door of opportunity that you wouldn't have otherwise had. Right. No disrespect to the people who probably have more reps and more time in the game. Right. But for me, this is life. And sometimes in life, you're going to get passed by people who are willing to do the hard work, even just temporarily. So we'll see what iterations of this is. But I to bring that back. The fact that we have new people who are also ladies who are doing the work, then you got the Jen Sheltons who are who've been crushing this game for a while. I think this is a testament of real life. It's a testament of what this industry has to offer. And I think it's it's exciting to me that we get to highlight that. Here's what I'll say about the women, and and I keep talking about this, and I'm gonna keep talking about it until I see a change. I don't want to get asked anymore about why there aren't more women putting themselves out there. How can we get more women? Listen, there's five women right here that earned a spot to be one of the one of the 10 feature closers in the closers octagon. You're standing on the same stage as Pace Morby and Jerry Norton. You're literally having the opportunity to show Jamil Damji, myself, 
Brent Daniels, uh, Vina Jetta. I mean, put yourself out there, okay? This is what I want you to do. I want you to consistently inspire other people. The facts are is that you are more likely to inspire another female to become a real estate investor, to become a wholesaler, to become an entrepreneur by putting yourself out there than I am, okay? So put yourself out there. You're already doing the work. All I do is turn a camera on, talk to sellers, and then give that footage to an editor, and then the editor posts it and everything. I don't do anything. I just do the same thing I'm doing. Only thing I have to do is just drop it in a G Drive folder, and it's over. You will inspire tens of thousands, if not millions. I mean, literally at this point in time, my stuff has gotten millions and millions of views. Please put yourself out there so you can inspire other people. Now, as far as the newer, less experienced people earning their spot in the closers octagon, I love it. That's what you have tryouts for. Yep. I mean, this is like, this is a competition. You come in and you say, here's the job. Who does it best? These are the 10 best. That's it. Not who the, the, the criteria was not, Hey, who's done the best in their real life business over the past two years? No, it was in this moment right now, who's going to be the best. And they won. They earned the opportunity. I don't want to know who does this on a daily basis. I don't want to know how many deals these people have closed. All I want to know is, is sign me up. Let me listen to the calls. I'm going to judge them on that call. Yep. That's it. That's what makes it a great competition. So big difference between Closers Olympics and this is the amount of time the closers get. So talk about that because that's a huge change in this competition. Yeah, it's a huge change and it's one of the hardest parts, right? Like logistically, uh, this is a, a beast and there's still logistics we're, we're going to try to figure out between now and then, right? Like I'm transparent when it comes to stuff like this. Life's imperfect, right? And I think people put the polished stuff out there. It's not polished. Life is not polished. Um, but I, for me, it was important because you do this long enough. There is no, It is extremely possible that two phone numbers don't get put into your queue in the Closers Olympics and you're not RJ Bates with all the belts behind you. It's very yeah. But you, your skill set deserves those belts. So then how do you solve for that? Well, you make it like real life, right? I don't want to know what you can do in 30 minutes. I want to know what you can do in a day of getting work done. I want you to get punched in the face, hung up on, cussed out, but then have time to screw up the whole morning, go to lunch and come back and be like, nah, let me get my head in the game, right? The most inspirational stories from every sports story or sports film is People losing and getting their asses kicked and then saying, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm going to I'm going to get my head back in the game. I'm going to come back and watch them come from behind. I want to create that environment. And so that's the difference. On Friday, it's a full day of calls. And I have a whole set of scoring criteria that I put together that we're going to be able to kind of match and figure out the best way to, to, to calculate all of this. But they're getting scored on what they can do, not in 30 minutes, not in an hour, but in an entire day of doing this business. I think that not only gives a purer demonstration of a person's skill set because they get a breadth of situations so it's not like you oddly enough if you listen back to my my tryout same thing he's super aggressive he's super aggressive well i'm talking to a guy that owns a portfolio right like what do you want me to do you know what i mean 
So I want people to have the opportunity in a day to have as many types of conversations. I want to understand the breadth of your skill set, right? I want to understand because that's going to be a factor. If you're really, really good at this one personality type and you get this one personality type, well, then you got lucky, right? I want to see how you say that you, if you crush on this call, but then you get an old lady and you're stomping all over her. Well, then you're going to lose the points because now we're seeing your actual skill set. Uh, and then in doing that, you're going to lock up better deals, right? You're going to lock up deals at numbers that need to be locked up at. And, and I'll be honest with you, I know you're going to give me criteria on how I need to judge, but I'll just be honest with you. I, I already have some of my own personal criteria on what I want to see on how quickly does someone recover from a negative phone call? What is kind of the, the actions that they take when they're getting voicemail after voicemail after voicemail? Yep. What about the transition from the portfolio landlord? to the widowed elderly woman. Yep. How does that conversation shift? Because these are the things that I pride myself on. So when I say things like, yeah, you know, I'm the king closer and all that, that that came from it being on a belt. Yeah. But in real life, these are the things that I'm like, no, I know I can have a eight-minute close with the tired landlord who doesn't want to talk. He wants to sell me a property. He wants to get it done. And then I can have the hour-long call with the elderly widow and build that empathy and understand her entire situation and then close that deal. And then how do we move on to the negative aspects? Who's going to waste 45 minutes on a call that they should have only wasted five minutes? Because this is real life. When I'm in my office and I've got my team and I hear a dude over there on the phone for 45 minutes, it better be this is a smoking hot follow-up or you got the contract. Otherwise, I'm going to be like, why did you just waste 45 minutes? <laughs> yep. So this is what that's what I love about this because that's where we start seeing like, yo, you are you letting the competition, the fact that people are watching you change how you handle this or are you willing to be a closer? Because a real closer makes those tough decisions on – when to kill the deal, when to close the deal, when to make an offer, when to continue to try to drag out price out of a seller, when do you continue to try to build build rapport and pull pain and motivation out, and when are you ready to go for the close? All of these things matter um, in these conversations. That's why I love this. Um, and when you and I were talking, you were like, hey, bro, can you can you judge this? I'm like, absolutely. I'm looking forward to being able to sit here the entire day and just really analyze how each one of these closers is able to navigate this competition. Because nothing's ever been done like this outside of your community. But this is exciting. Um, Now, what is your role? You're a judge as well? Yeah. Okay. Are you allowed to to say who you think your favorite is? Here's here's the thing. Um, so I've looked at some of these conversations. There are some sleepers in here um, that I didn't expect to show up and they just showed up and they rocked their conversations. Right. Lizanne, when Lizanne did her turn, Lizanne almost didn't try out. Same with Bill. Right. But it was I same conversation you had. Guys, like, what are you what are you doing? You want to win at life. You just spend a bunch of money to join a community. You go sit here in the corner and be scared. Like, what are we doing? They've tried out. Did better right. than they expected. Lizanne, before her turn, says, I just want to make it 
somewhere not at the bottom, right? Like maybe the top five from the bottom. She left round two in first place. Wow. First place. That's how good her call was, right? It was a scenario that perfectly matched her personality and she crushed it. How's she going to do if those scenarios don't come up? Savannah is on my team as an acquisitions person. I have listened to her conversations. She is one of the best at just getting people to open up. She has fantastic rapport. When she was doing her tryouts, she froze up, completely froze up, almost quit the competition, almost quit because the nerves got in the way, right? Why do I bring that up? Because this is what happens in life, right? You run sales teams. How many people come out here and you know they got the skill set? And it's just like, bro, get out of your head. Like, just do the thing. Dude, I've seen it in every competition that I've ever been a part of. Yep. I've seen it in every Closers Olympics. I've seen it in Wholesaling Live. I've seen it on my YouTube channel where I've brought people on to, to quote unquote compete against me. And I'm like, dude, I know you're better than this. Like, yep. come on, you can do that. You know? So I absolutely get that. I will say, so I don't know the m- most people. Yeah. So just looking at the website here, which by the way, it's closersoctagon.com. Um, looking at it, Savannah, the cotton candy closer. Okay. Now I, I love that nickname. Okay. I love that. Uh, also Lizanne tagged me in a reel yesterday with excitement. I think it's, listen, I look at everything and I, I look at like that self-talk that you have. There's one thing where it's like, Hey, I'm not going to let anybody know that I'm in the closers octagon. I'm going to keep it quiet. So if I win, it's this big surprise. But if I lose, no one really knew about it anyways. So I thought I love that Lizanne is putting herself out there like, hey, I'm on my way to compete against Pace Morby and Jerry Norton. Now, here's my question, okay? How did these eight handle the pressure of being in a room when Pace Morby and Jerry Norton walk in? Because pre- they have a presence about them. Yep. Okay? Now, on the flip side, how did Pace Morby and Jerry Norton handle the pressure? It brought such a good question because both of those exist. I guarantee you there are people who are thinking that Pace and Jerry aren't thinking twice about this. Doubtful. It's just doubtful because there is you, you, they're putting more on the line than everybody yeah. else, right? Because they have reputations. Now, the reality is, their reputations are not going to change negatively by this in any capacity, right? Because they are still who they are. They still made the impact. But so I do think the people, those other eight, they're coming in here and they're probably like, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Their ability as closers is just as important, maybe, as their ability to manage the pressure, right? That the ability to manage the pressure is going to be the biggest turning point for a lot of these people. What are you focusing on? Are you able to just get into the zone? And I think that Pace and Jerry are probably having the same conversations. I think they are. Here's the thing. Pace and Jerry can do this in their sleep. They've been doing this for years. This is still second nature. But I don't care how long you've been doing something. Nerves are nerves. Cortisol is cortisol, right? And there is, unless you know how to get that in control and focus in, um, it's it, it just makes a difference. I'll tell you, I'll tell this story. Last January, I was in Vegas with Pace when he was playing golf against Ryan Pineda, right? They had this big golf competition. I don't golf. 
So I was just like the ornament on the golf course, right? Walking around <laughs> grabbing clubs because I I just I've golfed once. That's um, called a caddy. That's I was called a caddy. caddy in the golf world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the caddy. Um, shows my experience level. So, so I'm walking around and I watched Pace. And this is a true story. I hope I'm not putting his business out there. I watched Pace because he's a competitor, right? And he's got that thing. And he's like, shit, like, I don't know. Like, Ryan's good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what I'm going to do here. And Pace started that game shit in the bed. And I watched Pace physically make this decision in his head. F this. Watch what happens. And that switch, two times, RJ, two times. This, there's a life lesson here in this, right, if people will catch it. Two times, Pace hit the ball, right? It bounced off of a roof and landed in play perfectly, right? The first time, Ryan was like, how'd you do? By the second time, I think Ryan thought he was planning his whole thing. Like, Ryan was just like, come on, bro. Pace ended up winning that whole thing. Like, Winning, winning. Yeah. Wow. I didn't I didn't know Pace. I didn't know Pace won that. I thought Ryan won. That's no. crazy. Yeah. So it's okay. So on that note, I've done two lives in the past year. I did one with Jerry Norton. Okay. Where we went call for call. Now, Jerry wanted to do direct agent, mm-hmm. and I said direct seller. So the whole clickbaity title was direct to seller versus direct to agent. So Jerry goes first. He has a great direct to agent call. It's about as good as it can go for direct to agent, right? I call, I talk to a seller, I get a signed contract and bro, you should see Jerry's face where he's like, I might've made a mistake. I might've, <laughs> I might've should have done direct to seller because he knows he cannot accomplish what I just accomplished due to the nature of what he is doing. Yeah. And that competitive side came out in him. Same thing with King Kong. Me and Kong, we did a live together and literally first seller I talked to. I mean, it was a vacant lot. She was selling it on a discount. <laughs> it was a lay down close. I mean, it was basically like, all right, boom, 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 sign contract, it's over. And Kong was basically like, hmm, this is, this is not a good look. I want to see two things from Pace and Jerry. How do they handle the first hour? Because mm-hmm. that's where the nerves are really going to be like that cortisol that you're talking about. Yep. It's going to be like, dude, no matter what, speaking on stage, lives, all that, they've never done this, yep. right? So it's going to be a different feeling. How do they handle that? How do they handle their tonality, their pace, like the speed and what are they mirroring correctly? Or are they, are they talking too fast? Are they interrupting? I think both pace and Jerry as like looking in, I've done two reaction videos on base closing. I want to see if he, if he interrupts or if he slows down at the beginning and lets the, the sellers talk. And then, at the end, if they feel like someone in this competition is outperforming them, how did they handle those last two hours? Nice. Where suddenly that comp- the competitive nature starts coming out. I get to hear them right now. I get to hear Pace. How many does Jerry have? Jerry has two. I only have one. 
You know, how does he handle those next calls? Yeah. That's what I'm really looking forward to. As far as the other ones, listen, I'll just be the first to say it. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Everything. Like, go out there, empty the tanks, leave it all out there, make a name for yourself, embrace the moment that Daniel has given you, that the Sub2 community has given you. This is an amazing opportunity, and let me be the first to say it could change your life. That's why I literally have these fake wrestling belts sitting behind me all, all day, every day, because these moments could change your life. Daniel, how can people find out more about this and how much does it cost and walk them through how they can be a part of this? Yeah, so uh, closersoctagon.com, um, we were going to raise the prices. RJ let yesterday asked because he knew we were going to be filming this thing if we could keep them down. Um, so yeah, it's going to stay 99 bucks, right? We're going to do that. We want to give as many people the opportunity uh, to do this. You go to the website, you'll see the different options for it. Here's the, one of the other differences. This is in person as well, right? So if you want to watch it virtually, you can watch it virtually. Uh, but there is the option for people to be in here. All of the competitors are flying into town, right? RJ is going to be virtual. Vina is going to be virtual. Um, but yeah, these people are traveling across the country for this thing. Is so Jerry he, coming? Uh, no, he's staying in Puerto Rico. He almost oh, did. He almost did. Um but yeah, so I guess Jerry's the one, the one competitor. That's not. Um, but yeah, like guys, like if you're in Arizona and you happen to be in this area, you want to come out in person, you can go in there and buy a ticket for that. Um, but yeah, closersoctagon.com is where you can get the info. Love it, man. And this is February 9th. So it's this Friday, yep. two days from now. Um, what time does it start? 9 you know? a.m. is when we're opening up. Call start at 10. Gotcha. So we'll probably start at 10. Um, looking forward to it, man. I love the idea. Um, it's an honor to be a part of it. Um, I'm passionate about this just as much as you are. Uh, this, this is what we do for a living, right? I say it all the time. Acquisitions is the heartbeat of our business. Without that, we don't have anything, right? Yep. You got to have acquisitions because it's literally the product that we sell. <laughs> you don't have contracts. You're not in business. Um, so this is where it all starts. Um, uh, thank you for putting it on, man. Any last words? No, um, I just I appreciate you, man. Like for me, you got the 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 Pace Morbys of the world, the Brent Daniels, the Jamils, yourself. You guys have tirelessly, you know, invested time. And right, does that pay back? Has it paid back for me? Well, look at what I'm doing because of the time that I committed. Look at where you are because of the time that you committed. And so I just want to say I appreciate you guys for coming out here and blazing a trail in a space that it, it, I, I understand the work, and I don't think a lot of people do. Um, so so thank you for that. I'm excited you're a part of this thing, man. There's going to be a lot more to come. So it's going to be really cool to chat with you, collaborate, and just continue to put special stuff out there for everybody. So guys, my, my final words to you guys is if you're in this space, I don't care how long you've been doing it, whether it's five minutes or five years, I really hope that you guys challenge yourself and you look at competitions like this as a barometer of what's possible when you do. Because if you do, it could change your life. There you go, man. Thank you so much uh, for putting this on. I know it's a huge undertaking. Uh, no one will probably actually understand how big of an undertaking this type of competition, doing it live, in person, all day, all the tryouts, uh, the 25 hours a week, which I think you're being light on the 25 hours a week. It was probably a lot more than 25 hours a week. So thank you so much for all of the, the work and the effort that you have given to this industry. And why do I do this content that I do? Because I want to give back to the industry that changed my life. It's so cool to see new, innovative ways for us to create content and for people to learn. So, listen, guys, $99. Sign up, closersoctagon.com. Where else are you going to be able to watch Jerry Norton and Pace Morby 
for eight hours, however many hours it's going to be. It's going to be a full day plus unknown people that are putting themselves out there that literally are just like you. Hey, they're they're trying to find their way in their business. They earn the opportunity. These are literally the people that were not given it because they have 50,000 followers on Instagram. It's because they were that good on the phones. That's really the people that you want to be learning from. Yep. The reality of it is the people that are able to pick up the phone and do it the right way, pay attention to those people on Friday. Uh, it's going to be an honor to be a part of it, man. Uh, hey, guys, if you like today's episode, make sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel, leave us a five-star review, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you, man. Bye, brother.